0: Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. In our Advent Sermon series, The Language of Christmas, we are unpacking five ways to show love to one another. Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and giving of gifts. Jesus lived a life of perfect love for God's people. The greatest responsibility and opportunity for a Christ follower is to practice loving God and neighbor like he loved us first. It's our prayer that the love of Christ will be the greatest gift in your home this Christmas. Now, tune in as we study what love is and how to show it.
1: Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. And I want to say a big welcome to all of our campuses. Or All of our campuses are joining in today, so welcome to our Nolansville campus. So excited about the new building coming online in just about two months. It's going to be awesome. Welcome to our Nashville campus. Man, so thankful for all the people who are joining the church and so many college students who are serving. Welcome to our Columbia campus. Love you guys. Our red envelope this year is going to help you find a new permanent home, and we're praying, and we're so excited. And welcome to our online campus, wherever you're joining in from, welcome. And welcome to our Franklin campus. Man, I love our campus here and all that God's doing in this place. We'll have a new parking lot in a couple weeks, which is gonna be great, but thank you for serving, for praying, for making a difference for the glory of our great God. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you got enough to eat. You know, I hope you had a lot of time with family, with friends, and we all have so much for which to be thankful. We are blessed beyond measure, with family, with friends, but most of all, with Jesus Christ, God's Son for us. And so let me be one of the first ones to say to you, Merry Christmas. So we are finally past Thanksgiving, and so it's officially Christmas season, so you can begin listening to Christmas music. I know some of you have already jumped the gun a little bit, and you've been there, right, or get the tree up and, you know, decorate the house, but it is Christmas time, and I love Christmas. I love celebrating Jesus. I love this time. And you know, this time of year, there's just a different feeling, isn't there? There's just a different feeling. I mean, you go places and you see, you know, volunteers for the Salvation Army and ringing bells and it's cold and, man, they're just serving, you know, or you're at the rapping station and you see people serving and they're smiling. You know, you see generosity unleashed and people buying gifts and like our giving wall and people taking care of other people. It is a beautiful time, and you go, there's something different here. Yes, (laughs) it's the Christ of Christmas. It's about Jesus and the hope that we have and the love that has come down to us. We are forever changed, and it's Christmas, and it's a time of joy. It's a time to celebrate him. And so today we're launching our whole Christmas series. I'm excited about this series because we're going to be talking about this, the language of Christmas. And when I say that the language of Christmas, you kind of go, well, "What's the language of Christmas? What are you talking about?" Well, the language of Christmas is really this: love. It's love. I mean, really, the most famous verse in the entire Bible says this: "For God so loved the world." And isn't that incredible? I mean, sometimes people think God's mad at them. Sometimes people think God's just up there condemning and judging. It, it, hold on, God loved. The world, and you can put your name right there. For God so loved you, what did He do? He gave His one and only Son. Do you ever wonder why we give gifts at Christmas? Never wonder why that came. Like you were giving gifts to family, to friends. Maybe you were on Black Friday. You were braving the crowds, and you know you're online shopping or whatever. You were just trying to get gifts to give. Where did all that come from? God. God's a giver. Praise God for that, right? You <laughs> know, God so loved the world that He gave, and He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The heartbeat of God to redeem and to restore. The heartbeat of God is for you and for me to have eternal life with him. I mean, praise be to God. And so we wanna talk about that, this language of Christmas and how we grow in our love for God, how we bring Christ into our hearts, how do we bring Christ into our homes this year. And that's what we're discussing today. Now, as we think about this, right, this language of love, for a lot of us, man, love maybe is hard. Maybe, you know, they're in these different dynamics, these different relationships, but deep down inside, we all know we want real love. We wanna be fully known. We wanna be fully accepted by God and by those around us. We want to have those real relationships. And sometimes we talk about love like it just happens, right? Like I fell in love, right? I was walking along and I'm in a hole, right? It's just like, I'm in love, right? But love is more than that. Love is this choice. Love is choosing to love. Love is responding to others. Love is putting others before ourselves. And for us to grow in this area of love, and if anything else this Christmas, we can grow in our love for God and in our love for others, wow, this will be a great Christmas. Jesus said the most important command, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors, yourself. So this Christmas, I pray we can grow in love. I pray we can grow in love. Now, sometimes the holidays are tough, right? You got different family dynamics, and you got all these things that are at play, and sometimes a lot of people are home, and sometimes it's really busy, and and we got lots of things that happen. But what if this Christmas, we can really bring love into our hearts and into our homes? What if this could be a Christmas that's different? What if this could be a Christmas that we glorify God with everything in us, and we grow in that love? You see, sometimes, you know, you've been married maybe for a little bit, and and you're kind of going, well, I used to have these tingly feelings, right? I used to, you know, there used to be the spark of this flame. Or maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And you go, well, when I accepted Christ, I was so on fire for the Lord. What if, man, this Christmas, we bring that joy and that love back in? We come back in and we go, God, I want this to be a Christmas that honors you. I want this to be a Christmas that brings glory to you. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to get caught up in cultural Christmas. I don't wanna get caught up just in consumerism. I wanna be a person who loves and loves well. I wanna fall in love with you, Lord. And I wanna fall in love with those around me and I wanna bless them this Christmas. So in our series, we're gonna be talking about these different love languages. In fact, if you've got a worship guide, I'd love for you to pull that out. If you wanna take some notes today, this is gonna help us, I hope and pray, in all of our relationships, It's gonna help us to grow deeper in our love for God and for one another. So we're gonna be talking each week about a different love language. There was a book written by a guy named Gary Chapman several years ago called The Five Love Languages. It's a great book, by the way, okay? So I wanna tell you, I recommend it to people, I do premarital counseling, I recommend it to people who maybe have been married a long time, I recommend it to people who are grandparents, I recommend it to people who, man, just, they're single, but man, they're with roommates and they're trying to figure out, hey, there's a different dynamic here. I'm like, here's the thing, everybody has a different love language. We give and receive love in different ways. And so if you and I can start to learn that, and there's really these five love languages. First of all, there's physical touch. And maybe that's your love language. We're gonna talk about that one today, right? And you just kind of, that person, man, you just express love through the physical touch. The second love language is this, words of affirmation. And we're gonna talk next week about this. But man, our words carry weight. Right, our words can build up or our words can tear down, right? And so for us, man, we have to understand we give love or, boy, we hurt others through the words that we say. We'll talk about that next week. Look at this one, acts of service. Some of you, this is your love language. And Thanksgiving was your go mode, man. I mean, you were like cooking, you were cleaning up, you were taking care of everybody, and you just wanted somebody to recognize and Go, hey, thanks a lot, you know, but it didn't matter because you were gonna, do it because that was the way you express love, and you're, you're just great at that, and you thrive in that area. For another one is this: the giving of gifts, the giving of gifts, and we're going to talk about that on Christmas Eve. How we give and how we receive, and then this other one is this: it's quality time, quality time, the time that we spend, the quality time with others. Somebody said you spell love T-I-M-E, right? Time, and how do we have that? Time and how are we giving that time? And I think this is why Christmas is so important for us having that time with one another and expressing love because that's what God did for us. Hey, if you have a Bible, open with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one. Love for you to see this today. Man, this is Christmas, guys. (laughs) I love this time. So, Matthew, first book, New Testament. Uh, written by Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, guy who used to be a tax collector. He was kind of into money. That was his whole world, right? He walked away from it all to follow Jesus. And man, God did great things in Matthew's heart and life. And then we got these four gospels that all talk about Jesus. And Matthew and Luke are the two that record the birth narrative. You know, Mark kind of fast forwards to Jesus' earthly ministry. John talks about the spiritual. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But let's go back to that first Christmas. It says in Matthew chapter one, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about, the Messiah, the one everybody was waiting for, okay? So you can imagine before Jesus came into the world, I mean, there was so much fear, there was darkness, there was dread. I mean, it was pretty scary, right? I mean, you, you know, it was at night, there, was, there would people be scared, there were all this talk of demons. But the Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah is coming. And so this is how Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And that's so important, right? Jesus, fully God, the Holy Spirit coming to us, the divinity of Christ. We also see the humanity of Christ, born of a woman because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The whole reason Jesus came, right? Our sins Our brokenness, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes, we've all messed up. That's why Jesus came. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. I love that. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us in our hurt and our pain. God with us in our brokenness. God with us in our fear. God with us in our worry. God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus, Yeshua. Jesus' name literally means salvation. He gives us his name, salvation. Here it is, salvation is here. Hope has come. The wait is over. Christ is here. And for us to understand that, and for us to be people who live as Christmas people every day because Jesus has come for us, for us. Hey, if we talk about this, what I want you to see is this. There is power. There is power in physical touch. Jesus came down to us, the spiritual coming to us. And for us, right, Jesus came, God with skin on, to be with us, to be with us in our hurt, in our pain, to be present in all of our troubles and all of our hardships. He came to us. And for some, man, that is so important for us, right? To be understand this. Look, for many people, this is definitely their love language, right? Physical touch is, is their love language. Uh, maybe you have a, a child, man, they're, their love language is physical touch. I mean, they just kind of burrow in, right? Whenever you're on the couch, you know, they kind of come in, and they just kind of get by you or get on you. Uh, maybe your spouse, right? I'm more of physical touch. And so here I am with, with Lisa. I was trying to hold her hand and this. And, and Lisa, this is great, but I remember Lisa and I, when we were first married, and, and we were, you know, here we are married, and it was, it was great. But I remember after about four weeks, Lisa came to me, and Lisa goes, hey, um, we just need to spend some time together. I was like, "What? I'm a student pastor, right? We're going out every night. We got people at our house all the time. You know, we're giving hugs. This is great. This is wonderful." And she's like, "No, just me and you." I was like, "Oh, wait a minute. Your quality time. That's what you are. Your quality time." And so for us, we just said, "Hey, we've got to make a priority for date nights. We've got to make it a priority to spend time together." And this impacted our marriage. Here we are, 21 years later, and I love my wife. It's awesome but we've had to protect that. But she knows too, I'm physical touch, you know? There's times I need a hug. There's times I just need a pat on the back. There's times I just need that encouragement. And, and so I hope and pray that we will look at all of our relationships. And maybe your nieces, your nephews, maybe your roommates, maybe your friends, you know, maybe you can go, oh man, here we are. You know, you have physical touch. I mean, you think about that, that you think about this power in touch. You know, why do we high five people, right? Uh, why do the people that we just kind of give hugs to? Why do we people we fist bump, right? Culturally, there's always been this dynamic about physical touch. And here's the thing. Many times a touch is more powerful than even words. Many times a touch is more powerful than even words. I remember being uh, in college and reading about this study in psychology, and, and, and maybe you heard about this, but this is crazy. I can't believe it even took place. But In the United States in 1944, an experiment was conducted on 40 newborn infants to determine whether individuals could thrive alone on basic physiological needs without affection. 20 newborn infants were housed in a special facility where they had caregivers who would go in and feed them, bathe them, change their diapers, but they would do nothing else, nothing else. The caregivers have been instructed not to look at or touch or touch The babies, more than what was necessary, never communicating with them. All their physical needs were attended to scrupulously, and the environment was kept sterile. None of the babies becoming ill. The experiment was halted after four months, at which time at least half of the babies had died at that point. Four months. At least two more died even after being rescued and brought into a natural, familiar environment. There was no psychological or physiological cause for the baby's death. They were all physically very healthy. And before each baby died, there was a period where they would stop verbalizing and trying to engage with their caregivers, genuinely stop moving or even crying. Four months, four months. And you look at that and you're just like, wow. There is power in touch. There's power in touch. This is from Psychology Today and, and they talk about the Science Times that says, Touch is even more vital than this. Babies who are not held, nuzzled, hugged enough can stop growing, and if the situation lasts long enough, even dies. As the time notes, however, touch can ease the pain, lift depression, and even possibly increase the odds that a team will win. Thankfully, when children raised in an orphanage are placed in loving homes, much of the damage can be reversed. So if you want empathetic children and an empathetic culture, Touch and be touched. That's from Scientific America. See, what's communicated when you give or receive a hug, a handshake, a pat on the back? What does it mean to you when somebody you love reaches over to you just to hold your hand or to give you one of those little love pats? For those of you who are parents or grandparents, what does it mean when a small or maybe not so small anymore child or grandchild crawls up in your lap? Dude, there's power in touch. There's power in touch. And this is something that we all have to think about in our lives, in those relationships, because we live in a society now that becomes more and more isolated, right? People get home, kids get home, they go up to their rooms, right? They're playing their video games, people get isolated at work, we got work from home, we get more remote, more and more outside of any kind of physical contact, and after a while, it begins to weigh on us. And especially people who have that, that love language of physical touch. How can I just reach out? How can I be a blessing? How can I be encouragement? Here's the thing I want you to see. Look, Jesus loved people through physical touch. Jesus did this. Man, you're there in Matthew 1. Look over in Matthew 8. This is so powerful to me. Matthew chapter 8. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. Okay, now back then, leprosy, that was like the worst possible disease, right? We talked about it last week. If you had leprosy, you were outside of the city walls. I mean, you were unclean. Literally, if you had leprosy, you walked around like this. You have to say, anytime somebody came near you, you would go, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. And so people would stay away. People would just run away from you because you had leprosy, they didn't wanna get it, it was contagious, and you were unclean. Well, this man with leprosy came to Jesus. Now, I think that's powerful, right? I mean, here's this man, he needs healing, he needs hope, and where does he go, Jesus? Where do you go when you need healing and hope? Where do you go when you're struggling? Where do you go when you're afraid? This man goes to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He knew, he knew the power of Jesus. He knew what God could do in his life. Jesus reached out his hand. What does it say? He touched him. He touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift of Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus said, look, you have been healed. Now go to the priest and show. When you would go to the priest, they would look at your body and they would go, hey, you're clean, you're healed. You can come back into the side of the city walls. You can come back to the temple. You can come back to worship, right? And then you bring an offering, a praise to God to celebrate what God's doing. Look at this, Jesus touched people. Jesus touched people. We don't have a God who just is sitting up there in heaven and going, okay, you know, good luck, figure it out, right? We don't have to go up on a mountain somewhere. It, Jesus is with us, in us. Jesus loved. Jesus touched people. Look at this, right? By touching a leper, Jesus would have been ceremonially unclean. Jesus didn't shy away and go, you know what? That's all right. No, they're gonna put me out of the temple. No, 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 no. (laughs) Jesus stepped into it. You may remember a time when a woman came up behind Jesus and she just reached out through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and she was cleansed and Jesus goes, who touched me? And here's this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, been unclean. And back then, men and women, you you didn't touch, right? I mean, no way, I mean, men, right, if you were devout, you didn't even look at a woman on the street, you just walked right by them, and Jesus did not. Jesus loved. He wasn't worried about being unclean. Jesus loved. He loved. Jesus even took little children into his arms. (laughs) He took little children into his arms. I I I just think there's nothing sweeter than seeing a mom hold a baby or a grandmother. (laughs) Seeing maybe your niece or your nephew just, holding them, seeing children running around, and we could easily sit back and go, you guys go play over there, but man, when we engage, something happens. And he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hand on them, and he blessed them. He blessed them. And for us to, to bless, for us to encourage, for us to, to pour in. And when I think about this kind of love from Jesus, right, so much of our love is conditional. You know, if you do this for me, then I'll love you. But if you don't respond the way I want you to, then I'm not gonna love you. And, and Jesus' love was unconditional. Jesus was like, hey, I'm gonna be out there, I'm gonna love people, whether you can do anything for me or not. I mean, these are lepers, right? These were women back in this time. These are kids, and, and Jesus just loved. I think about Mother Teresa, right, going to the poorest parts of the world in Calcutta with orphan babies and loving and being there and being present, and for us not to be siloed and to sit back in our comfortable homes, but to step out and to love. For us to be engaged and to love that way. See, one way we love, we love others is through physical touch. It's a way that we love. It's a way that we love, it's this call on our lives. I remember this verse, when I was a teenager, we'd always look at this, and we'd kind of laugh, you know, when we were in Sunday school, like, greet one another with a holy kiss, right? This is what Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he writes it also to the church in Corinth, he writes it to the church in Thessalonica. He's like, greet one another with a holy kiss, we're like, oh, look at that, right? And then I went to Moldova, and I remember going to the kissing church, and they like literally come up to you, and you're like, oh my goodness, what's happening? You, know? and, they, you know, and you're like, oh my, but you understand this, as you grow up, right, there's, there's cultural, there's cultural responses, there's cultural differences, there's cultural love, and that's the way they show love. In fact, if you go to Middle Eastern countries today, right, they kiss one on each side of the cheek, and if you're family, they come back a third time, and it's that, that love, that, hey, we're together in this. And I love that Paul's writing to the church, and he's saying, church, you be loving. And you think about the early church. I mean, you had people of all socioeconomic Status, you had people with all diversity. You had people who were struggling. You had people who were wealthy. You had people who were poor. It didn't matter. And he's like, greet one another with a holy kiss. You know, you love people. You know, for us, it's handshakes, it's high fives, right? It's fist bumps. It's all, but, but there's hugs. There's these times that we love and we express that love. And that's what Paul's saying to the church. See, there must be a healthy expression of physical touch. This healthy expression. And for us in our culture today, man, it's kind of hard sometimes, but, but there is this healthy, how do I love? How do I love? How do I give? How do I receive love? And for a lot of people, man, that is the call for us to love them that way. Look, Satan takes and perverts this love language to hurt so many people. And I think we kind of shy away from this because, man, what Satan does, he takes the good things of God and then, boy, he runs with it and he uses it to hurt people. And i just challenge us, I gotta tell you, you've gotta watch what you watch, especially men. You know, what happens so many times is pornography becomes that substitute and so you kind of check out of your marriage because, man, you've got this going on over here, but what it's doing, it's eroding your capacity for intimacy. It's stealing that. Ladies, you're more emotionally stimulated and so what can happen so many times, right, you just go, well, I just need somebody to hold me. I just need somebody to be there for me. And I'm not getting that at home. I'm not getting that in my marriage. And so, man, I'm going to find that place. And and next thing you know, right, you just begin to drift away. You begin to drift out. You begin to check out of those relationships. You're like, hold on, stop. Time out. Satan is taking that and, and perverting that. You know, we work with so many orphan kids in Moldova, and there's so many kids are susceptible to the sex slave trade. It's just a broken world. It's a fallen world so frustrated with the evil in this world today, and sometimes that could keep us, keep us from even reaching out, even talking, or even being around people, right, but that's only Satan trying to get a foothold in our lives, or in our marriages, or in our hearts, or in our homes, and we got, no, 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 there are times you protect yourself, right, you protect yourself, you're wise, I remember Billy Graham, the great evangelist, remember, he wouldn't even get on an elevator with with a woman, if it wasn't his wife, he would just be like, okay, if it's just the two of us, we're going to kind of back away here. But he also, man, he gave a ton of hugs and handshakes. I mean, he was always there. He was praying with people and praying over people. And what you begin to realize is there's power in that touch. Just do it appropriately. How do I do it appropriately? How do I do it in a way that's going to honor God? How do I do it in a way that's going to bless other people? I think what we've seen with COVID, right, we had two years of this isolation, this social distancing and and man, it, it was hard. It, it was hard. I mean, it was hard medically, but it was also hard psychologically. And now we're kind of reengaging, but how do we do that in a way that's gonna bring honor to glory to God and express God's love? The spiritual love came down. Look at this. Jesus loves us this way through others. Jesus loves us this way through others. It says, then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You know, back in the Old Testament, right, if you wanted to worship God, you went out to the tabernacle. And, and you gotta think that the tabernacle was set up, it was in the middle of the camp, but people spread out. I mean, people had their livestock, people had their agriculture, and so it was a long way to come to the worship there at the tabernacle. Again, in New Testament, you go to the temple if you wanna meet with God. And so people were coming, they're living far away. Some people, right, you go to Israel, you see that some people began to set up temples and idol worship because they didn't wanna make the journey all the way down to Jerusalem, Jesus. Jesus comes and now God with skin on begins to walk around, begins to touch, begins to heal, begins to redeem, begins to restore. That's what you see with Jesus. With him, when Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, One greater than I will come and the Holy Spirit comes and now it's Christ in you. That's what you saw in the early church. And in those times of blessing, in those times of love, in those times of grace, see, we're called to be the hands and feet of Christ Jesus. We're called to be the hands and feet of Christ. We're called to offer love. We're called to offer grace. That's why we go on mission trips. That's why we go to Cool Springs Mall. That's why we go into our homes. That's why we go into our neighborhoods and shake hands and give gifts and pray over people because there's power. There's power in that. Physical touch brings healing and hope. Physical touch brings healing and hope. And maybe you think about, man, the times that people prayed over you. Maybe you can think back in your life and you go, oh, man, By the time I was sick and people came and prayed for me, maybe you can remember your baptism and that, that touch you dawned to your old way of life and you're being raised a new life and you just felt God's presence with you. You, you had that pastor, or you had that parent, you had that friend that was with you, but man, you felt God's presence. Maybe you think about, man, in your life, that ordination, whether it was A6 or C3 or whether you were ordained in ministry and people came and laid hands on you? I remember that we have a guy on our staff team and, and uh, he didn't like physical touch. That was kind of his scary thing. And so one time we got all these little hands and we kind of came toward him. <laughs> we were like, hey, we're coming for you. you know, he's like, ah, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was just like, oh man, I don't know about this, right? Played football and all these things. But then there was this time we put him in the center and we all came around and things were happening in his life, changes were going on and we... We came in and prayed over him, and this big guy is just weeping, just weeping. Praying for him, praying for his family, praying for God's work in his life. And in that moment, you just saw the Spirit of God. You saw the Spirit of God. And I think for you and I, we have to begin to understand that opportunity we have. And whether it's praying over your children at night, you come in just lay your hand on their head or praying over your grandkids, whether it's reaching over and holding the hand of your spouse, praying for your niece or your nephew and the people who come into your home and just say, hey, listen, I I just wanna give you a hug. I wanna tell you, I care about you. I wanna tell you that God loves you. I wanna tell you that God's got a plan for your life. See, here's the thing. Allow God to love through you. Maybe this isn't your love language, but boy, it is somebody else's. And for you to kind of step out past yourself, for us to step out past ourselves and say, I wanna be the hands and feet of Christ and, and God use me. Because love came down. Jesus left the throne room of heaven and came down to us to be with us. You know, it tells us about one of Jesus' disciples, I think, who had this love language. His name was Thomas. And Jesus, after he was crucified, he conquered death, he rose again, and all the disciples had scattered, and Jesus appears to them, and it tells us in John chapter Twenty Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. And they're kind of thinking, we've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. It's like, I gotta touch it. I gotta see it. I gotta be there. Well, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Maybe you don't need to hear anything else today but that. Peace be with you. God's peace. He's here with you. He left the throne room of heaven to come down, to die on a cross for your sins, for my sins, to pay the price that we should have paid so that you and I could have peace with God, you and I could have peace with others, you and I could have peace with ourselves. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, He said to Thomas, put your finger here in my hands. Reach your hands and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God, that you would come to me. In my hurt, my pain, my brokenness, that you would come to me, my Lord and my God. Think about this, that God has come to you. Right? It tells us in Romans 5:8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, while we were still unclean, while we were still broken, while we were still a mess, God came to us to redeem, to heal, to restore. God came to you. Maybe today you've kind of felt like an outsider, but yet God is drawing you to himself. God's inviting you in. God's coming to you. Maybe today is a day of salvation. You say, my Lord and my God, (laughs) that God would leave the throne room of heaven to come to me. For God so loved me. (laughs) Thank you, God. Maybe today is a day of repentance for you, right? I mean, maybe you've kind of checked out. Maybe you've been on a different journey. Maybe you've been going away. You've been going away from God. Or maybe you've been going away from your marriage. Maybe there's thoughts in your mind or maybe pornography's got a hold on you or maybe there's a division that's happened in your home and I want to just tell you, repent, come back. This Christmas, come home. Come back to a God who loves you, but come back in your marriage. Come back to your kids. Come back to your family. Come back to your friends. Come back and re-engage. Allow the love of God to well up in you. Maybe there's some people around you. You just need to bless. You need to bless. Bless. And Christmas is already out of control and you just go, okay, man, I need to stop. I need to pray over others. I need to bless others. Maybe it's your parents. (laughs) Maybe it's just giving a hug. I don't know if you've ever seen, but there's this guy who goes around and he goes around to festivals or parades. He just has a sign that says free hugs, free hugs. And you watch as people come up and you can see it right on YouTube. You just watch as people come up and they just bury their heads and they weep and they weep. And they weep. Why? Because nobody ever hugged them at home. Nobody ever reached out and told them they were proud of them. Nobody ever gave them that kind of affirmation, that kind of love. And they've been desperately looking forward all of their life. This Christmas, let us be people who love. This Christmas, let us be people who love God and love others for the glory of God. Let's not miss it. Maybe you grew up in a home where you didn't receive that kind of love, but I wanna tell you, you can change your family tree. You can change that dynamic. You can impact generations. And let's start today. I wanna to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're sitting by your spouse or a friend or a child or maybe you just kind of reach over and put a hand on their shoulder or But Father, here we are, your people. And Father, we come just saying we need you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into our world. Thank you for coming into our mess. Thank you for coming into our fears. And thank you for meeting us, God, and bringing healing and bringing hope. Oh, God, the wait's over. Christ is here. We don't have to wonder if we're worthy. We don't have to wonder if we're loved. You made that so clear by sending your one and only son Emmanuel, God with us. So let us be people this Christmas who fall in love with you. And then let us be people this Christmas who express that love to others. And whether it's taking and feeding the poor or taking gifts to the homeless or whether it's right in our own home, bringing love back into our hearts and back in our home. So Father, come, work in our hearts and our lives. The wait's over. Jesus is here. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 We're going to continue in the time of worship, responding back to the Lord. What's God saying to you today? Will you respond to him?
0: That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. And lastly, from the church family to your family, Merry Christmas.